There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Friday, July 1st. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, local gun owners want to carry concealed handguns on metro trains and buses. They're suing D.C. over it after the Supreme Court recently expanded gun rights. WTOP's Valerie Bonk has the court documents and tells us what's at stake. They really have to look at whether allowing this will open up people to sue for other places to carry guns that they may think is unsafe. So that's why, you know, the courts have to be pretty careful here. And we're learning more about the horrific murder of a father and nonprofit CEO in Northern Virginia. WTOP's Neil Augenstein has the charging papers and tells us about the nature of this awful killing. City of Fairfax police detectives believe that Greg Glyer was killed by a man who used to be in relationship with his wife. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. Megan Clarity is out today. Yesterday, four local gun rights advocates filed a suit against D.C. saying Metro's ban on concealed handguns on public transportation is unlawful. That lawsuit was filed one week after the U.S. Supreme Court upheld the right to carry a gun outside the home. So as the Supreme Court's decisions send ripples throughout our country, it seems that a legal challenge to D.C.'s gun laws based on this new Supreme Court precedent is already taking shape and is underway. Joining me now to talk this through is Valerie Bonk. She is a WTOP reporter and the holder of a law degree. So we are in good hands here to really understand this story. Valerie, (laughs) thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the facts. What did the decision for the Supreme Court on guns say last week? And how does it connect to this new lawsuit we're seeing regarding guns on Metro? So last week, the Supreme Court expanded gun rights. It was quite a week in the Supreme Court, um, as everyone knows in the D.C. area. But this was a big one. And it struck down a New York gun law and left room for some gun owners to sue jurisdictions across the country for the right to carry in areas that aren't typically allowed. And then now we're seeing this locally. So this lawsuit sues D.C. for the right to carry guns on metro rail and metro buses. So that's something that's going to impact, you know, regular riders and people in our area who use public transportation on a daily basis. So the plaintiffs are three D.C. residents and one Virginia resident. Mm. And in the lawsuit obtained by us, they describe themselves as regular transportation riders who have concealed pistol carry licenses issued by D.C. police and carry guns on a regular basis for protection in the district. So these are people who have the concealed carry permit and are regular transportation riders. So, you know, this is four of them. It's interesting to, you know, kind of see if if more people come out, but these four mm. are the ones that are suing um, the district. Right, right. And so are we to deduce that, you know, they're actually carrying these guns on Metro or, or that they want to? The lawsuit is asking for permission to or, or mm. suing for the right to, I guess we should say, right? <laughs> um, suing for the right to do that. So, 
I mean, I, I can't speculate whether they are, but if they are carrying them in the district and regularly use public transportation to get to the district, especially in the Virginia, the, the case of the Virginia resident, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that plays out and whether whether they already are, or whether right. some people already are um, concealed carrying on public transportation. But as of right now, they're not supposed to. And this is suing the right for that. Got it. And right now, D.C. law prohibits the carrying of guns in what are called, quote, sensitive places, which include government buildings, hospitals, schools, polling places, and public transportation, and also stadiums. And the crux of the lawsuit seems to be untangling some of these locations from the current law. What does the lawsuit say about public transportation versus, you know, these other sensitive places? Yeah, so as you mentioned earlier, I went to law school. This is 90% of what you do um, in the law when the Supreme Court hands down a big decision like this, right, is look at the language, um, which is the most important part, and looking at the history of that language in the specific jurisdiction. So, I mean, it it is included in the D.C. law, but, you know, this is going to kind of come down to whether the D.C. courts believe that it should stay that way. Mm. Um, So the, the lawsuit argues that while Metro has its own police force, many of the trains and buses lack any police presence, and there is not a tradition or history of prohibition of carrying firearms on public transportation vehicles. So that's their argument. And the Supreme Court said in its recent opinion that jurisdictions would still be able to ban concealed carry in sensitive places. So the lawsuit goes down to argue that Metro is not a sensitive place. Mm, mm. And so, correct if I'm wrong here, but it, it sounds like they're saying, oh, Metro, you know, might be a little unsafe, so I should have the right to bear arms in that case. Is is that right? Yeah. I mean, the whole lawsuit starts out with them saying that they are carrying these guns for protection. And then they go on to explain that, you know, Metro may not be safe or could be susceptible to crime. So therefore they would be able, they should be able to carry their guns, which, you know, as we mentioned earlier, there's stadiums and different stuff on that. So they really have to look at whether allowing this will open up people to sue for other places to carry guns that they may think is unsafe. So that's why, you know, the courts have to be pretty careful here. Mm. And some people may remember that D.C.'s gun laws have historically been at the center of nationwide legislation, as in the Supreme Court's 2008 Heller decision. How did that lawsuit get started and what precedent did it set and what does it mean now? Yeah, so in Heller, um, it was decided that the Second Amendment that protects an individual's right to keep and bear arms was unconnected with service in a militia. So that's kind of the the nitty gritty talk, right? Mm. For traditional lawful purposes, such as self-defense in the home. And that DC's handgun ban and requirement that lawfully owned rifles and shotguns be kept, quote, unloaded and disassembled or bound by a trigger lock violated this. So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of plays into this case and, you know, whether that allowing for those guns to be open and free would kind of be like, okay, now they can take them on Metro. We'll see We'll see if that plays in at all, but I'm sure it will definitely be precedent that they will look into. Got it. Got it. So that 2008 Heller precedent was basically to really just boil it down, kind of loosen gun restrictions. So that precedent of loosening might apply here as well. Yes, okay. absolutely. Got it. And this case is pretty fresh. So where does it head now? Yeah, so we reached out to the attorney general um, in D.C. to see, you know, kind of how they feel on it. It's a pending case, so they they won't say anything probably. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what D.C. officials say, right? Like, I mean, they're suing D.C., so it'll be interesting to see if Bowser says anything about this, to see if public safety people say anything about this, if the um, Metro police say anything, if the D.C. police chief, um, how they feel about this. But 
it'll boil down to whether they think that, you know, it's a safety issue versus a constitutional protection, you know, and, and whether that Supreme Court case has any kind of play here on um, what people can and can't do on trains to keep keep themselves safe. We'll see how it plays out. Valerie, thanks so much for really distilling this and helping us understand it. Great. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. And after the break, we're learning that the suspected killer of a man in Fairfax City was actually the ex-boyfriend of the victim's wife. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602 changing lives. Thanks for listening to the DMV Download. If you like the podcast, head to our show page, give us a rating and leave a review. We read all of them and use the suggestions to improve this show that we're so proud of. It also helps other listeners find this, our region's only local daily news podcast. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Last week, a father of two was shot to death while sleeping next to his wife in Fairfax City. And this week, police arrested and charged Joshua Danehauer for the murder of Brett Glier. Court documents now show that the suspected murderer had had a previous romantic relationship with the victim's wife. WTOP's Neil Augustine is here with the documents in hand. Neil, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Good to talk with you. As is the case whenever you get charging documents, the picture of what exactly happened gets a little clearer. So let's start with that. How did this murder really happen? Uh, City of Fairfax police detectives believe that Greg Glyer was killed by a man who used to be in a relationship with his wife. The the charging documents say that Joshua Danehauer walked into the Glyer home through an unlocked back door. He went into the bedroom and shot Glyer 10 times. Detectives say that Danehauer had been recently reaching out to Glyer's wife who they describe as his ex-girlfriend. Mm. They say that Dane Hauer wanted to reconnect with her. Dane Hauer is now being held without bond. Uh, in one interesting turn, the judge wrote on the charging document, after the bail hearing, the defendant asked, can I order a pizza? Mm. Uh, the judge continued, he was not taking the situation seriously in the slightest. Right now, Dane Hauer's next hearing is scheduled for mid-August. Mm. And, you know, the wife who is the relational tie here, she was in that room when this awful murder happened. What we understand, according to, uh, to police, uh, at least at the very beginning, she was. Some of the reporting that, I, that I've read has said that she um, then fled to, uh, to another part of the house and was there during some of the shooting. Uh, and that eventually police were able to get both her and their children out of the home safely. Mm. And do we know anything about how police were able to attach this murder to Danehauer? Obviously, uh, detectives have been doing a lot of, of work, uh, been trying to recover any evidence that was there. Obviously, they've got uh, forensic evidence there. Uh, and they'd also been talking to a lot of people. And Fairfax City police say that at some point uh, somebody came out and said, 
you might want to look into uh, into Josh Danehauer as a possible suspect. Obviously, at this point, we don't know uh, how that person came to to suggest Mr. Danehauer. Mm. And is this relational tie, you know, a part of the suspected motive from police? Is that have they said that yet? They have not specified that yet. Police have not come out and, and, and said what they think the motive was. Obviously, this romantic past is something that, that they will, will look into. Uh, it's not clear how long of a relationship they had, uh, how serious it was, how long ago it was, uh, whether there had been discussions or, uh, or tensions about uh, them getting back together. There's no indication at all. That, that things were moving in, in any one direction or another. Police just said in the charging document that this is the past between the two. And Neil, over the last few days, we've learned a lot about the victim here, Greg Glyer. He was a CEO of a nonprofit called Donor C, and you know he had two children and a wife. But what do we know about the suspected killer, Joshua Danehauer? Not terribly much. Danehauer was on his way to work at FedEx at Dulles International Airport when he was arrested by airport police. That is according to Fairfax police. And the charging documents show that Danehauer had been employed at FedEx for approximately one month. And that's according to the, the bail document. Apparently, he's also lived in this area for his entire life. And, you know, this sort of murder is quite rare in Fairfax City. It's actually the city's first homicide since 2008. So where does this case really go from here? It certainly is very rare for, for Fairfax City, which is a very safe place to live. Where this goes is to the courthouse, where, where murder cases go. The preliminary hearing for Joshua Danehauer is scheduled for August 18th. Neil, thanks for coming in and, and sharing what you know. My pleasure. And before we go, we'll end on a bit of a lighter note after that horrific and tragic story. And Neil is going to stick with us because I've got a question for him. So here's some backstory. There's a survey out there that the DMV Download podcast has released. And, you know, one of the questions on that survey is, what more would you like to see from DMV Download on social media? And there's one response that I think actually might be Neil, but I'm going to ask him. And here, here's the answer to that question. Quote, a documentary about the life and career of Neil Augustine. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, is that you? No, no. <laughs> no, that was not me. That was not me. I, I don't believe it was my, any family member asking for, the, for that. Uh, I, I'm not sure that the, that the subject matter would be terribly, uh, terribly interesting, but uh, always glad to share uh, what I can with, with you on, on the podcast. I just had to ask. You know, I had an inkling, a suspicion, but anyway, here we are just, uh, just to clear that up. Anyway, that does it for us today. But before, you know, we officially sign out here, be sure to check out and fill out that survey. You know, Megan and I would love to hear what you all think about the show. Any suggestions? We're really receptive to all that stuff. And you can find that survey at dmvdownload.com. And we're brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab. Our music is by Real World. And WTOP intern Rosa Hughes helped out a lot on this show. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance. And you can find us on social media where we post content every day from behind the scenes. And you can find out more about this podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. You can also find that survey there. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com, and on the WTOP News app. And have a great weekend. 
Megan and I will see you on Tuesday. We will not be publishing an episode on Independence Day, July 4th. Have a good one.